everyone. My name is Rachel Shear. I'm your host for Let's Sex Floor It. And before I introduce our guest, I just want to remind everyone that I have a book that I just wrote called Date to Find Your Soulmate that is available on Amazon February 2nd. So be sure to check it out. And you can also go to my website, lovelaughleisure.com to get all sorts of relationship advice and learn all about sex and romance and love. So today we have a very special guest, Jacqueline Phillips, who is a self-discovery guru. So Jacqueline, welcome to our show. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks for being here. So tell the audience what your specialty is. So my specialty is taking the uncomfortable aspects of life and finding a way to exist comfortably in them. Whether it's self-discovery, it's good communication, it's asking the tough questions, or facing really uncomfortable realizations that we have to change if we want to be happy and successful in life. And how did you come to get to this place in your life? I had to hit the bottom so that I could start to crawl my way back up. Um, basically all of my interpersonal relationships in addition to my relationship with myself were kind of falling to ash. And like a phoenix, I rose from the ashes and put in the hard work and had a host of friends and resources available to me that I took advantage of and learned different types of therapies and modalities and took a pharmaceutical journey and figured out how to find happiness. And now that I've figured out how it worked for me, I want to take a lot of the guesswork out for others and share my insight. Okay, that's wonderful. So what are some of your takeaways that you can tell the audience? How do people get happy? You have to love yourself, like unconditionally, no questions asked. When your head hits the pillow at the end of the day, you have to love yourself. And that manifests in all these wonderful ways because when you're positive and you have love for yourself, you want to do more for others and care for others and be part of making other people happy and find their own personal love. Yes, I love that. It's so true. You have to love yourself. You have to love yourself, know yourself, and just be proud of who you are in your own skin. So um, that's amazing. And I was told that you wrote a book about this. I did. Uh, Comfortably Uncomfortable, The Road to Happiness Isn't Always Paved is basically the culmination of four years of self-discovery and hitting the pavement and getting back up and dusting myself off and going, okay, well, that didn't work. Let's try it another way. And it covers everything from my relationship with my husband to raising a now teenage son to getting comfortable with touching myself because I grew up in a household where that wasn't okay. And sex is a big part of an adult life and not being comfortable with it really inhibits you. Yeah, it's true. And sex is such a taboo topic, but it's a part of life. Everybody has sex or some people don't, but they have opinions about it. And sex is what keeps the world going. So how did you come to be more comfortable with sex? A lot of it came from being aware of what my own hangups were with my body and with what I thought I was supposed to be okay with, and then exploring what I did enjoy. 
Um, a lot of it was communication. You know, I, I have this amazing spouse who would sit beside me and go, okay, well, instead of getting frustrated about it, let's just take a break from it and we'll try something different. Or, you know, especially as a woman, there's so much that goes on up here that it's really hard to learn to detach. So taking time to learn to detach and to separate, okay, this moment is just for intimacy. I have to put everything else away so that I can be in this moment. So a lot of it is, is you know, mindfulness and acceptance. Um, I had a big discovery when I was able to get off my antidepressants that I was one of those lucky ones where with an antidepressant, it completely killed my sex drive and achieving orgasm was next to impossible. We had to align the planets and the lights had to be a certain way. And it was so much of an orchestration for one moment. Um, now that I'm off my antidepressants, I have sensation again and I feel like a 13 year old boy and I want to go, 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 go. And that's exciting to, after 16 years, have that back. So I'm still discovering my sexuality and I'm not even 40 yet. So it's kind of exciting. That's great. Yeah, unfortunately, antidepressants are really helpful for people. But one of the side effects is often a loss of sex drive. So it's, you have to decide what's more important for you, but a lot of people would rather stabilize their, their moods than think about sex, but I'm glad. Absolutely. Absolutely. Hands down for the last 16 years, managing the depression was way more important than getting off. But after I did all this work and invested all this time and broke down all of those issues that were, you know, behind the depression, I was able to obviously wean off and become able to succeed without them. And, you know, so by all means, prioritize what's most important, but be, be aware and be okay and be comfortable with the fact that you have options. There are ways of moving forward. Yes. So since you have, since you were on antidepressants for so long, um, how did sex manifest in your life while you were, like while you didn't have much of a sex drive? It was obligational. It was, oh, it's been a few weeks since we've done it. We should probably do it. D did you want to do it? Should we do it? Like, we're both really busy. Can we spare a few minutes? Do you want just my hand? Can we just make this happen and you're good? Because I'm not going to get anything out of this. It sucked. <laughs> it absolutely sucked. Um, and it's, it's an integral part of the marriage, you know? It's, it's that thing that lingers when you're not acknowledging it. And when it's not working, it's that problem that sits in the back of your mind. And when it's great, it's amazing. But it's, it's constantly evolving and changing, especially when you've been with the same partner for so long and we're not getting any younger. So, you know, things don't look like they did when we were in our 20s. And, you know, we're, we're both growing and maturing and, and sex is changing constantly. You know, it was oh, we've got a baby, we got to be quick. And now it's like, okay, the teenager has to be completely out of the house before I feel comfortable rolling around with you. It, and that's where communication is so important. Because if you're both not talking about what you're needing and how you're going to get that, it's just going to manifest itself into other problems. Yeah. How did your husband handle it? Um, was he in the mood more often than you? Oh, absolutely. Um, it was, he's such a great guy. I, I really truly lucked out. Um, 
you know, for the longest time I used to tell them, oh, it's no big deal. I don't need the, I don't need the orgasm. It's, it's not the end of the world. Don't worry about it. But I, I was lying to him and I was lying to myself. And, you know, he, he was very good about getting me to be patient and breathe and relax. And I think if I hadn't had a partner who was willing to just, you know, let it breathe. And if it happened, great. And if not, not to be frustrated about it, but just to try again another time. That's what made it successful because I was just constantly beating myself up going, I'm just a broken toy. Why do you want to be with me? And he's going, no, you're beautiful and you're wonderful. And this is just a thing that's part of you. We just have to find a way to work with it. So there was obviously experimentation. Um, my natural path gave me testosterone cream, which helps kind of negate the desensitization from the antidepressant. So, you know, in a pinch, I had that to help me, but it, it's a lot of experimentation. It's a lot of communication and it's a lot of trial and error. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what a journey you went through. <laughs> and then when you went off the antidepressants, was there a sudden switch that went off or did it, did it take time to evolve? You know, it wasn't so much a switch as it was just a, oh, this is, this is easier. This is more fun. This doesn't require so much effort. And now the things that didn't feel like anything have feeling and it's amazing. And like, you know, going from someone who required so much effort to achieve orgasm to not requiring a fraction of that. And then, you know, being able to have multiples, like it, it's a lot of fun, <laughs> but it's, it's, it's also been a new progression because all of a sudden things that I hadn't been feeling, I was feeling, and that brought on a whole new host of emotions and this flood of, you know, former inadequacy, you know, and it, it goes right back to, you have to talk about it. You know, it was these little victories that I was having and we were celebrating them and going, Hey, She's still in there. She's, she still works. And, and that's really exciting to be able to not only experience those things, but then to look at your partner and go, hey, that was pretty cool. Look what we just did. So it, it's, it's been a fun journey. It's, it's not been easy. There've been a lot of tears and a lot of frustration and a lot of hit pillows. But it, ultimately, it's been fun being able to experiment and explore and be vulnerable with myself and my sexuality. Yeah. Wow. What an amazing story. Your husband must be so happy that you're able to delve deeper into your sexual life now. He's happy that I'm happy. Ultimately, we found ways of making it work. But the fact that I have this self-love and this positive energy and this happiness in me and in my life, it just made everything better. So he's a saint for, you know, sticking it out with me because it wasn't easy and it wasn't always fun but you know being vulnerable also gave him the opportunity to be vulnerable as well and it's it's brought us closer together you know being on this journey side by side and me being willing to open up and be honest you know yes I like those things no I don't like those things hey that's just not doing anything can you just stop and they're not being a consequence. And I think that's the best part about it is that we can have that level of honesty in our sexual conversations 
and know that it's not about hurting each other's feelings. It's just, if it doesn't work, why are we doing it? Yeah. Yeah. So um, tell me more about your, um, your childhood with this, because you said that growing up, you, you had a, a, a childhood where you didn't believe that sex was important or tell me more about that. So I am the product of a teenage pregnancy and a single parent. Um, you know, growing up, I was raised with fear. You know, whatever you do, don't get pregnant. Whatever you do, just don't. Don't have sex, don't get pregnant, save it for marriage. Sex is bad. It's only trouble, don't do it. Um, I also grew up in a household with four other siblings in a two bedroom apartment. So I constantly had siblings around me and never had privacy which as a teenager, it's really important to give your kids privacy. I have a teenager. He's got a whole room to himself on the other end of the house. And I start hollering as I'm coming near because privacy is important. Sexual exploration as a teenager can be done in a safe way. And it needs to happen so that you understand what your body is and what it can do. And, and those things weren't afforded to me they were shunned and they were shamed and they were met with threats of physical harm. So masturbation was done in secret and I didn't know what I was doing and I didn't have anybody to talk to. And so sex got really weird and it was tied up with all of these emotions of you're a bad person if you're doing this and you're gonna get pregnant. And at the same time, when I did want to become sexually active, well into my very, very, very late teens. Uh, <laughs> you know, I was terrified because I was so afraid that like, if I did get pregnant, the world was gonna end and I didn't know who to talk to about birth control. And I wanted birth control, but I didn't want my parents to know about it because then they'd know I was having sex and then maybe they would punish me. Like I was 19, the fear should not have existed. It should have just been, hey, go to Planned Parenthood, get set up and then go live your life but I was so afraid. So everything tied into sex was fearful and uncomfortable and had shame. And that's exhausting in your twenties, trying to figure out who you are and sex and be safe. And is this a hookup or are we trying for something? Like that's a lot on the plate of a young person. Yeah, definitely. Were you the oldest of your- I am. Yeah, I'm, I'm the oldest of five, and I, I was raised with the iron fist, um, and yet I was the oldest to produce a child. <laughs> I remember telling my mom I was pregnant and being afraid that she was going to be upset at me. I was 23, I was married, and I was working on my second college degree, and I was still that afraid of her. Um, that, that's just not healthy. And it, it brings a whole host of problems that in your adult life, you don't really get the opportunity to address in a forum that makes you feel safe. Usually you're addressing them because there's a consequence to the problem. Right, that must've been really tough too, as the oldest and so all your younger siblings are looking up to you for support and guidance and you didn't know anything yourself about sex because you were never taught. Our, our family dynamic was pretty toxic. Um, you know, three of the siblings were part-timers and there was a huge age difference between myself and the youngest. 
So by the time I moved out, he was barely going into junior high and there, there wasn't, there really wasn't a dynamic where we could figure things out together as siblings or talk amongst ourselves. Um, there wasn't a lot of talking in our lives. You know, it was, we, you are meant to be seen and not heard, do, but don't repeat what we do. Don't end up like us, but we're not going to give you the tools so that you can be productive and successful in your own. Yeah, that must have been really tough for you, but that's amazing that you are able to get out of your shell and explore the world. You said you got married and got pregnant, and yes, you were fearful, but you still did it, and you produced a child, and it sounds like things are going really well for you now. He's awesome. Uh, he just turned 14. So we're, we're talking a lot about sex in our house, which is very contrary to what I had growing up. Um, you know, I was the first one to have that conversation with him. And I usually am the one to sort of bring things up. Uh, right now, a big topic in our house is consent. Uh, he's a white male. And with the Me Too movement and everything that is involved with social dating, I, I want him to be aware of what those things look like and what they sound like and, and how to experience them in a safe way and that his consent is just as important as her consent and that consent can change and that's okay and you have to acknowledge and respect that. Yeah, you're right. I'm so glad you're teaching him that because it's really important for kids to learn at a young age. So they, they, don't teach, they don't teach that stuff at school. And, and honestly, sex ed for him was more of the biology of, you know, what the change is. It wasn't, you know, contraception and STDs and communication and what's normal and what's okay. And so I, I think we're really doing our kids a disservice by not making that a comfortable conversation because they're going to have questions and I'm a better resource than the kid in the locker room. So I much prefer him to just be like, you know, she really knows a lot. I'm just going to go to her. I think that's a better outcome. And yeah, it's not always comfortable, but that's part of growing up. That's part of life. That's part of raising children is having uncomfortable conversations and trying to make them a little less uncomfortable so that you can have a success at it. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Um, so let's talk a little more about communication, because obviously communication is key to a healthy relationship. So how has that worked out for you and your family? There didn't used to be a lot of communication. Um, it all went on up in my head. So like we had these great conversations in my head and I was always right. And I was always unhappy because that's not what was really happening. Um, the, the really key thing about communication is you have to be honest even when it's not fun. Um, things are going to happen and you're going to have experiences with this significant other or this person or this group of people. And if you can't honestly and openly communicate yourself, you're just building resentment. And that's what I had done is I had built all this resentment against my husband. And there were days that I absolutely hated him. Like he would leave and I'd be like, I can be myself. And then I'd hear the garage door open because he was coming home and I'm like, okay, I got to shut it all down. Hi, honey. How are you? And I was, I was miserable and that's stupid. 
And it was something that I had built up in my head because I didn't communicate to him that I wasn't happy. And when it came down to it, the reasons that I wasn't happy was because I wasn't happy with myself. And I just kind of vomited that all over everyone without giving them reason or pause or an explanation. There were some really unhealthy years in our marriage and I'm grateful for them because I know now what we have, but at the time it was just a miserable existence. And it was more of, I, I need to stay with this person because I want us to be this family unit but it wasn't a healthy family unit. And I was the biggest source of toxicity in it. As our son has gotten older, you know, I'm more open with him about what relationships are and the importance of talking to people. And I, I fully acknowledge the errors that I made in my relationship because I want him to understand that parents aren't perfect. You know, we, we grow up and we see our parents as these shining beacons of perfection. And we're not, we're just grownups. And I think removing that layer of perfection and being honest and open about what we're doing wrong and how we can do better and actively apologizing when we do something wrong, it just, it builds better respect. It builds a better environment and it leaves room for growth. You know, I didn't do it right this time. I acknowledge it. I'm going to explain why I did it that way and why it didn't work. And now we're going to come up with a way to do it better. Okay. Wow. You had a very interesting journey, but, <laughs> but it's, it's probably really common that people will be all in their head and go through conversations with themselves, but not say anything to their spouse or partner. So I'm really glad that you finally saw that and were able to grow and learn and that you have a solid relationship now. I'm super grateful for it. It was probably the hardest, most painful years of my existence, but I feel like now that I've done it, now, now I wanna help others do it because things are really great right now. And I, I think everybody should have that opportunity to have great things in their life and manifest happiness. So I, I encourage the uncomfortable conversations and I, I'm, I'm here to answer questions, you know, like, yeah, I'm really uncomfortable masturbating in front of my husband, even though he says it's hot. Why does he think it's hot? Why is it okay to him? Why do I not feel okay with it? Someone, I mean, there's 7 billion of us on the planet. Someone somewhere is experiencing something that you're experiencing. So why not talk about it? Why not delve into it and figure it out and get to the root cause so that, yeah, you can find what makes you happy. Life is short and we're not guaranteed tomorrow. We have to make the best of it. And if we're not actively pursuing that betterment, it's, it's insanity. You're, you're doing the same thing, but expecting this different result. And that's, that's not living. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Living life is messy. <laughs> You have to fully just allow yourself to be you and communicate your wants and desires. And yeah, there's a lot of ups and downs. So I'm really happy that you are able to be happy with yourself. I'm happy that I get to share that with other people because I, you know, I'm not a celebrity. I'm not 22. I don't have handlers 
controlling me to make sure I say and do the right things. So I have this wonderful, unique opportunity to go, hey, I'm a mom, I'm almost 40. I figured it out, maybe I can help you. And really that's that brings me even more happiness going, I did all this work and I figured these things out and maybe I can help somebody else and, and watch them be happy and watch that manifest. And that's so cool. Yeah, so besides knowing ex exactly who you are, do you have any other takeaways for the audience? Anything they can work on for themselves? Listen to your gut. It will tell you everything. Yes. If it doesn't feel right, listen to it, lean into it, explore it because your body will tell you. Your, your brain isn't always going to do what you need. Your gut will always tell you, even with your health, with your mental health, with your situational health, listen to your gut. It will never lead you astray. Yes, I completely agree with that. <laughs> I actually have a chapter in my book all about trusting your gut. Your intuition tells you everything. So you have to really trust that. Um, that's how you can get in touch with yourself and figure out what's best for you. I've never had it lead me the wrong way. If, if anything, it's, it's stopped me from making mistakes because when I feel it, I will, I will lean into it and go, why is it doing this? Why am I experiencing this? What is this preventing me from achieving? And nine out of 10 times, it's, it's not because it's what I want. It's because the thing that is behind it isn't the right thing. Right. That's yes. so cool that you, you have that same mentality. I, I really, especially, you know, raising a kid, you know, we were told not to listen to that as much because there's social pressures and there's a reason why we have that instinctual response and it's meant to be listened to. So I, I really, I, I applaud you as well for, you know, encouraging that mentality. Yeah, um, I wrote about this in my book that I had a friend who um, who was dating a guy for a long time and then he proposed and they were planning their wedding, but she had this feeling in her gut that something was wrong and she didn't want to go through with it, but she had already spent so much time and money planning their wedding that she went through with it anyway. And then of course, a few years later, they ended up divorced because it was just not right. And she could have saved herself years of misery in that unhappy marriage if she had just listened to her to her gut. Yeah, I, I actually work in the industry. Uh, I own a wedding venue and, you know, you can't fit a square peg into a round hole. If it's not meant to be, you, you can't force it. It just won't work. And unfortunately, there's a, there's a big push to just go through with it because you've invested money and time and we, we don't tend to look at the bigger picture that was it really worth all the money and the time if you're miserable. You wouldn't go to a spa and stay in the spa robe if you're sitting on a bed of nails. If it's not right, get out. You're only making it harder on yourself. Yeah, yeah, it's true. So working in the wedding industry, have you found people cancel last minute their weddings? COVID has made that interesting. COVID has made everything interesting. Um, you know, it's, it's like one in 10. Mind you, we do a lot of events. 
but one in 10 they'll book and, and you can tell it's just not the right fit. And sometimes they still go through with it. And, you know, a year later they've divorced. I, I really do keep in touch with a lot of our couples, um, you know, and sometimes they pull the plug and I, I get that phone call and I talk them through it because it matters because they're, they're feeling a lot of feelings at that point. And at the end of the day, for me, it's just money. It, it's not the most important thing. You know, having someone on the other end of the phone whose world is collapsing and going, you know, this may be for the best and that's okay. It's going to hurt now. But at the end of the day, you have to be happy. If you're not happy, what are you doing? So it, it's just money. I mean, yeah, it sucks, but I'd rather someone make the right decision for themselves and be happy and do what's best for them than put a bunch of money into a day and watch them be miserable. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you, Jacqueline. This was such a nice talk um, discussing all sorts of topics, mental health, sex, communication. They're all interrelated. <laughs> Yes, they're all related and I really appreciate you being here and thank you to our listeners. This is Let's Sexplore It and I'm your host Rachel Shear. So have a fabulous day everyone.